Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila presents College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by Bell Ford. See us at bellford.com or visit the Arizona Ford Giant at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix. Verizon Wireless. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. By College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. The ASU fans home away from home. Roger Klein's Tension Tequila. Whether it's a margarita or one of our specialty recipes, Roger Klein's is Arizona bread and ultra smooth. Summer skates. Personalized shower shoes or hoosies for yourself or the entire team. Go to icetimehockeysw.com forward slash partners and order yours today. Buy OxyPow. Our chemical-free line of cleaning products gets the funk out of your equipment or office. Buy M-Drive. You're not too old. M-Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. And by nchc.tv and the NCHC. Subscribe to watch all of the action of the league's eight teams. Home of college hockey champions. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila's College Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. You are listening to College Hockey Southwest Weekly live. All right, welcome in hockey fans, college hockey fans, NCAA hockey fans as we go Live a little early today for College Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by our good friends at Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, the best tequila on the market. Find it anywhere that you find your spirits. And it's going to be a great day, so we're going to jump into it early. We're going to start off. We have a special guest joining us today from CBS Sports Net. Dave Starman is joining us. So I got Paul and Dave on the line with me. Guys, how are you? Dave, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Well, Dave, you and I probably crossed paths about a thousand times this winter because I was all over the place. And I remember seeing you. We probably even said hello, but you probably still don't recognize me. But <laughs> nice to have you on the show. And it's going to be great to talk a little hockey. So let's start off with that. Let's talk about that Frozen Four and what you thought of it. And then uh, we'll jump into some more stuff. I thought the Frozen Four semifinal games were really, really good. And it's funny, I was looking through some, some email and text last week about you know, people asking thoughts and different stuff. And I kind of felt like both of those games on Thursday, I never predict games that I'm doing, but I felt that both of those games Thursday were probably going to be one-goal games. And I think both teams, or all four teams, kind of played as advertised on Thursday. I thought the games were really, really good, really entertaining. And... And I thought a real good indicator of what college hockey is in terms of an entertainment product and in terms of the skill level that it has. And then you get to the to the final game, and I'll tell you what, I, I've never seen St. Cloud State take it so far away from their identity as a team as UMass was able to do to them. I think it'll be Edmund shot that hit the crossbar early, probably changed the tone of the game a little bit. I thought that the way UMass played, they... They really kept St. Cloud State wide. St. Cloud State generally is a team that is really good in the middle of the rink and really good between the blue lines. And I, I thought UMass took that away from them a little bit. And it, it was just a, it was a game where everything that UMass did seemed to work and a lot of stuff that St. Cloud State tried to do that had been funny for them all year uh, didn't happen for them. And I, I give full marks to, to UMass for that. Uh, here's a quick question, and I know you explained it during the game. But a lot of us still don't understand it. And I'll, I'll admit I was uh, uh, not as able to focus on the championship game because I had the after effects from the, uh, the, the COVID vaccine shot. Uh, explain to people why or why not the offsides was or wasn't called on what turned out to be that second goal for UMass. It's, uh, it's a great question, and I have no idea how I got explained on the TV side because I, I, I've still not heard their call of it. At some point, I'll, I'll go back and watch the games. I don't know what they said, so I, I can't comment on their side. But from, from our side, 
And we had the same thing happen in overtime of the North Dakota-Minnesota Duluth game in the first overtime when Minnesota Duluth thought they had won it on a goal by Kobe Roth. And it got called back. Here's the rule. And here's the, and here's the background. And full marks to Mike Schmidt, the NCHC supervisory of official staff, for explaining this to me a couple of years ago. Four years ago in Fargo, North Dakota and Boston University were in overtime. And it appeared North Dakota had scored win the game. I think Joel Janet tweeted had the goal. And it got called back because the replay showed that North Dakota was offside. They played on, BU wound up winning. Shortly after that frozen, or shortly after those regionals, the NCAA came up with a rule, and it's called the BU rule. And what the rule is, is if the play enters the offensive zone on, and the linesman says that the, it's good, it's onside, and the team that had the puck, the attacking team, winds up scoring without possession, changing hands, then you can go back and review the play. If possession does not change hands, you can go back and review the play. So on the play that happened with UMass and on the play that happened with Minnesota Duluth, the game was on, they were offside, and because the puck never changed possession, you were able to review it to see whether or not it was a goal. So, now, or sorry, for the, for the North Dakota UMD game, that was the scenario. In the UMass game, what happened was the game is on, called, the play was ruled onside, possession changed, meaning St. Cloud State actually had a grip on the puck like they would to get a whistle on a penalty kill. That's possession's determination. And because they did, it eliminated A, the review, but also made the call of the linesman stick automatically. That's the BU rule. So as long as you gain the zone, and if it's a little bit offside, if you gain the zone, you're a little bit offside, puck changes possession, and you get it back and score, it is not reviewable, and the goal stands. Okay, see, now I understand it. <laughs> now I get it. That's the BU rule. Okay. Okay, so Dave, I want to ask you about the overtime period uh, that got UMass into the uh, tournament because I've watched college hockey for 40 years, and I don't think I have ever seen a dominating period in college hockey like that. And we had Coach Carvel on our, our special podcast on Saturday morning, and he said, you know, he said they were kind of dominating because they, they were able to change on the fly and keep their cycles going, and he didn't think he'd ever seen that either. How about you? So those Iowa teams in the early 80s, which obviously 
know, I, I grew up here on Long Island watching too and was a huge fan of. Yep, we all right, we all, we all got that in common, that, that magic of, of watching that happen. <laughs> but think about it, they played four extra rounds a year, so by the time they, they got into that playoff run with the Oilers in 84, they had played like an extra season. And they were an older team to begin with, and they were really banged up. There's the legendary stories of, of the Oilers walking past the Islanders dressing room in 83 to get to their bus after the Islanders had won the Cup that year and not seeing a big celebration going on, but basically a lot of guys in ice bags and all wrapped up and taped together, you know, enjoying a beer quietly because they were so exhausted from another run at their age. And it really taught the Oilers what it was like to win. I don't think... That situation carries over so much to this for a couple of reasons. Number one is we didn't have a frozen four last year. And the other part is they're kids. So I think it's a different energy level in terms of wear and tear on the body. They weren't playing 82 games and then playoffs with all the travel. They uh, played a shorter season this year, and a lot of it was in the same spot, especially for NCHC teams with the pod. I just think they got beat by a team that executed better than they did. And that, that, to me, is really what it came down to. I Did that five-overtime game didn't take a little steam out of their sails? It's possible. Did they emotionally recover from that game? I, maybe, maybe not. I, I couldn't give you a great answer on that, though. Though they seemed to be them in the week leading up to that game against UMass. They seemed to be dialed in. They seemed to be focused. Uh, talking to a lot of their players who have known for years, I mean, they, I didn't see any big difference in them between that conversation, a conversation I might have had with them in mid-December when they were getting ready to play Western Michigan. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I, I just think that UMass was a period better on a day that they needed to be because for for about two and a half periods, Minnesota Bulls was really good in that game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, just real quickly, one more question for me on UMass, and then, and then I want to get, and I'm sure Scott wants to get to the pod a little bit too because you were there. Um, uh, just explain to people, if you can, just where UMass came from. When Greg Carville took over that team, it was almost like an expansion team. Yeah, this, is a, this is a great story. I remember I was scouting for the Canadians at the time, and UMass was playing at Quinnipiac, and I really came to see Quinnipiac because there were a couple of free agents there that I wanted to take a look at. And I had met Greg Carville maybe once. I just wanted, I wanted to go say hello to him, but I had known Jared Michael and Benny Barr, the assistants there for years. So I go down, I, I go say hello to him, and, and I chat with him for a little bit. And then I say to, to Ben, as we're all, all the coaches on World Standing Together, I said, who on your team should I, should I start to take a look at? And Carvey said, nobody. He goes, check back with you in a couple of years. There's nothing to see here. And I was like, wow. So don't go jump to that team. from a position where the program had always been okay. I thought Tuke Cahoon did a nice Tuke Cahoon's a coach. Did a, you know, did okay there. And, you know, he had two great assistants and, and now the late Red Gentron and, and Lenny Cannell. And, you know, so, so the program was okay, but they always had trouble recruiting against the big boys. You know, they could never out-recruit BU or BC or even Northeastern in Massachusetts. And then you had to do with Providence, UNH, Maine, and Lowell. I mean, you had a lot of competition for players all in the same area. So when Greg Carville took go, first of all, Benny Barr coming in, Benny is an unbelievable recruiter. I mean, just an off-the-charts recruiter with a great eye for talent. Jerry DeMichael's a former goalie. Remember, he was the goalie for RIT when they marched to the Frozen Four in 2010. Right. He's got a great eye for goalies and, and really knows how to develop goalies. And as you all know, that is a, a huge asset to have on your coaching staff. And then you get Carvey who comes in, who, to me, still really has that chip on his shoulder when he was dismissed from the NHL. And, and I, I think coaches with an attitude and coaches with something to prove and coaches that are pissed off make really good coaches because they stop at nothing to prove them right and everybody who believes in them right. And it's great motivation to have. So between the intensity of all three, the recruiting ability of all three, the hockey sense of all three, that really worked. And part two of that is... They play a defensive system, which I really like. Is I actually tried to use it with my U14s and my U15 Triple teams the last couple of years. I really like what they do with their defensemen. Their D are so good at creeping up in the offensive zone, of defending off the puck early, 
their dive downs, their third forward getting high to cover a defenseman on a dive, uh, making sure that when they leave the offensive zone, their gaps are really tight. I, I love the way they swarm and play, and it's built on mobility on the back end, and, and a lot of that is was Kirby and, and Benny Barr's mindset of how they wanted to build a team. And, and to me, that's one of the, the reasons that they've had a lot of major successes. They defend so well, but they start their defense almost inside the offensive blue line, and it stymies a lot of attack against them and allows them just to be better. Dave, I want to tell you what uh, Carvel told uh, Paul and I on Saturday. Paul said, uh, what brought you back to college hockey? And he paused for about five seconds, and he said, I got fired. Okay, so so Paul alluded to the pod. Uh, we follow uh, this year, we added uh, Denver, Colorado College, and Air Force to our coverage area along with Arizona State. So we were uh, very vested in the pod as well, and I want to say hats off to everybody that worked that, including yourself, because what a great show it was. It kept Paul busy every day because all he did was watch hockey. I had to do work, but but he he actually watched hockey. Um, so so what was that like for you? And what was the thought when it first came about? What were you thinking when they said, "Hey, we're going to put you in a pod for almost the whole month of December"? Uh, first thing I thought to myself was, "What the hell am I going to do?" Nineteen days in a hotel. I thought it was a great idea, and the way they did it, I mean, they were really smart about it. They, they had all eight teams staying in hotels, so even Omaha, a lot of people griped about Omaha, but they had their first nine or ten games at home, and that was a major advantage, and that effect, you know, helped them with their record. Yeah, I, there was such a load of nonsense, because and it just shows that Everybody moves stuff around. And, you know, like we 
used to see North Dakota's guys at the hotel, and they'd be leaving and be like, you guys aren't playing today. I'm like, yeah, we're going to go help out, you know, we're going to help out Miami. Or, there are great pictures of, of Andy Gesson from Miami, you know, Sharp Bay Skates from Western Michigan helping load bags for Minnesota Duluth. And, I mean, it was just, it was unreal to see the spirit of cooperation between all of those guys. And that's generally good anyway. But with all eight of them there and the amount of work that had to get done, those guys carried the mail and were probably a humongous reason why the pod succeeded. Yeah, you know, I said, Dave, in the beginning, I thought, I don't know why some of the big conferences, like the Big Ten, didn't do that, and and maybe it maybe it was logistic, maybe it was cost. I don't know, but uh, boy, when when I saw the way it happened, I was so pleased that college hockey was able to pull that off. So from the pod, they played their regular season uh, close to the vest, but then they went to the NCHC Frozen Faceoff and and they played that in Grand Forks, and and I know that you must have an affinity for Grand Forks like I do because. The Ralph is a, a one-of-a-kind facility, correct? That building is unreal. It really is. And you know, the, the unfortunate part this year, it's one of those buildings where I love walking around downstairs by North Dakota's locker room, whether you know, inside the <laughs> right. just outside the hallway, which is you know adjacent to where you're walking to get into their area. They have done such a beautiful job of highlighting the culture of their program, what their program's about, the people who help build it, players, coaches, administrators. It is really something to behold. And that's before you even see what the locker room and the training facilities look like. And, and then you get into the rink itself and, and the way the rink looks. And it, it's just, it is it is some building. And the, and the Ralph Engelstad Arena staff do a really nice job of, of keeping that building in, in top-notch shape. And it's all marble. It's all leather. There's 80 million fighting Sue logos all over the place. <laughs> NCAA free agency frenzy because uh, this portal thing, Dave, is, is just gone a little bit crazy this year. And then add the fact that the NCAA grants the extra year of eligibility. What are your thoughts on that? And, and do you like it? Do you not like it? Do you hope it goes away and at least part of it? And, and you should honor that commitment. You know, coaches change places, and, 
and they do it for for reasons that are beneficial to them and their families. And I, and I think that for players, if you're a player and you're in a situation where you just realize that you're not going to get the playing time that you think you need to develop into a better player, or you're not in a situation, and this, a lot of this academics too, like maybe you're in a school where you, you kind of enjoy the hockey component, but you're not vibing with the academic component or the social component or, or the town that you're in, and maybe you're a big city kid, you went for the small town thing, and you realize you missed the vibe of the, the big city atmosphere. I think there's a million and one reasons why a lot of these kids are in a portal. Most of them is probably for ice time, but you never know the factors. And there, if there's 250 stories that, uh, kids in that portal, there's 250 stories as to why. And for that respect, I, I just would hold a lot of thought on what it's about. I, but I don't know if it's a great trend It's always the first 
thing they say and the second thing is because And the third thing is that they love Oceanside. <laughs> There's a fourth thing, too, but I'm not going to Listen, you don't have to tell me I went there, so you don't have to tell me. Okay, so we're all on the same page here. So, yeah, but I, I, think, that, I think that for Arizona State, the key for them now is getting to a conference, and everybody's talking about well, what conference should they be in. And the old WCHA, now the CCHA, that's a possibility. The... The Big Ten, as they did this year, kind of an adjunct into the Big Ten. I mean, that had some staying power, but, you know, how long a Pac-12 team interlocks with the Big Ten, and we'll see where we'll see where that takes us as we go along. Then there's the NCHC, which seems obvious, and, you know, does the NCHC want another team in there that's going to compete for a lot of the great players that they're bringing in? No. But being able to sell the fact that you're playing in the NCHC in Arizona? I mean, that's, a, that's another topic for, for another discussion. To be honest, I think the team, I think the league, you're going to laugh when I tell you this, but for a number of reasons, the league that fits Arizona State best is Hockey East. Yeah. Uh, we've had that discussion. Yes, we have, multiple times, as a matter of fact. And and I guarantee you that the number one reason was travel, because it is so easy to go to the airport in Phoenix and get on a nonstop to Boston. There's big planes, you don't have to worry about puddle jumpers and a lot of connections and that kind of thing. I and same thing the other way around. I think for the hockey east teams, easiest thing to do, get on go get, get, get to Boston, jump on a direct flight to Phoenix, no problem. So I, I really think that for a lot of reasons, especially travel, hockey east makes the most sense. Well, Dave, I'll tell you, Jerry Jerry York put a big time hit on when he was here uh, in Phoenix a couple of years ago. Uh, he made it known to everybody that would listen to him that he wanted Arizona State. Like he gets it. He gets <laughs> yes, it. he is. He gets the big picture. He really, he understands big picture. He understands marketing. He understands the sales component of the product. He understands brand name recognition. He's a brand name school. And the more brand name school that he could bring to his conference, the better it is for that conference in terms of securing their next TV contracts. So Jerry understands the, the, the concepts here. And you know, the fact that Boston College is an ACC school will probably help BC on the hockey side with hockey East because of some potential TV stuff with the ACC network, and that's yet to be that's yet to be capitalized on. But I think at some point it can be. And, and you link in with Arizona State, who's got a, some some kind of a limited deal with the Pac-12 network, that gets you a little bit more TV exposure. So I think that that's a part of it. So that, that takes care of Arizona State. I think Hockey East is it's where they belong. Chris Mayon, I've known Chris a long time. He's a really good guy. He's a really smart mind. I've had some great conversations with him about the game. About going me and but I, I just I just think that he was at that point where you know it was his time to be a head coach. He, he was a head coach or an assistant coach at two big time programs in Providence in Michigan. And at that point, there's really nowhere to go but to be a head coach your own program. And I, he's taking over a really good program in a really good league. I think Mike Allen left it in very good shape in terms of a lot of things that they brought in, a lot of things they tried to do. Uh, it could be a we're just talking about players in the portal, and maybe they want to transfer out because of the dynamics of the school. You know, Colorado College works on a block system, not a semester system, and that might not be for everybody. So that's one of the recruiting challenges that I think CC has had, and and that's something that that Chris will have to figure out. But in terms of his ability to find players and his ability to run a program, I I don't see a problem there. I think I think that's going to be really good, especially with them getting a new rink and then the new teams. I still think there's room to grow. I really do. I, oh, I, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big proponent that that Long Island, Philadelphia, and Chicago are three markets that absolutely, absolutely need to have a divisional hockey presence in them for a number of reasons. Starting with the fact that they're all NHL cities. Number two is they're all big cities, big markets, and number three is they've got a million homegrown players in their areas that they can recruit and build for. So, so you get you get that thing. District of USA Hockey is cranking out a ton of players. New York is a factory right now, especially Western New York. But, but the Eastern District of New York is cranking out a ton of players, as evidenced by a guy like Adam Fox and Charlie McAvoy. I mean, those are, those are two of our pride and joys coming out of the Eastern District. A couple of good Long Island kids. And, and in Chicago, I mean, it's, it's well documented what the greater Chicago area has done with programs and, and players. So, like, would I love to see, like, Northwestern? 
jump in? Yes. Would I love to see Villanova get involved? Yes. And the Long Island school that I thought was going to jump first was Hofstra. LIU came out of nowhere with the women's program <laughs> and the men's program, and they did a really good job with their choice of the men's head coach because the Riley name carries a ton of weight in college hockey and in, and in Northeastern prep school hockey. So you, you got Brett coming in there as a young coach who's done wonders at the prep level. He's got tremendous pedigree. And, and gosh, I remember, you know, his grandfather sitting in, in Brian's office at Army talking to the granddad and saying, oh, boy, you should see what's coming up with the next generation of Riley's McCarty coaches. And that was 15 years ago. <laughs> so I, like, I'm thrilled for Brett. I am thrilled to see Division One hockey on Long Island. It's been a long time coming. I think they're going to have some obstacles in terms of rink on campus versus playing off campus. And that's, you know, same thing with Arizona State we just talked about, CC, but They've got a great facility to play in right now. I think that's going to be a home run program. And somewhere down the road, to me, yeah, I think they're the perfect fit for hockey. Uh, listen, Dave, I mean, we talked uh, for a few seconds before uh, we started the program. I mean, you, all you got to do is look at college hockey this year. Forget uh, on top of it. Uh, Shane Pinto, Long Island. Bobby Trevino, Long Island. Right? As, yep. I mean, that those are those are we can go down a list, you know. Uh, you know, we both worked with uh, with uh, Patrick Kazi's father. Yes. Uh, you know, out of, you know, with him being out at CC, probably be their next captain. Who knows? But I mean, you go up and down rosters in college hockey. There's all kinds of Long Island players on these rosters, and you know, it, I'm, I'm with you. It, it, it is. Underserved. Well, Dave, I, I agree. And like I said, there's a ton of players coming up now. Like there are times I worry about the player development path on Long Island right now at the, at the midget level. I, I think I think that in the next year or two, the path might have skewed itself just a little with some of the things that are that are going on. And the island has always gone through these vicious cycles of where it's been really, really good, and then all of a sudden. I start to get a little bit big and things start to change and it doesn't change for the better. We're, I think the island right now is at, a, is at a breaking point of which way they're going. But still, there are a lot of really good coaches on Long Island. Uh, the only problem is is you're seeing a lot of really good 04s, 05s, 06s leaving Long Island to go play prep hockey, which is fine. Right. They're still Long Island born and bred and we're trained right. up until that point. Now they're going for higher levels so they can get themselves to the NCA. I, I think that's valid. What, what I'm hoping is that that the island can continue to foster really good AAA midget that serves its customer base because there's a lot of kids out there that like the prep and academy models because they're chasing that Division One dream and, and they need more than three hours a week on ice and one off ice workout. And, and sure. with so many players, so many rings, so many teams, there's not enough ice to really serve the customer base. That to me is my biggest issue. Sure. Dave, I know we kept you a little longer than we told you, but uh, we appreciate your time. I want to get two final things in there. Number one, I want you to tell me what your thoughts are on hockey in Las Vegas, if you can do that in a, in a quick version. And then finally, I want you to tell us what's up next for you, because I saw your Twitter feed, and I know you're uh, doing some pre-scouting, but what's up next for you? Uh, we'll start with, with Las Vegas. Just It's a brilliant, brilliant move by the NHL to get into that market. It's a it's a vibrant market. It's a vibrant city. It always has people in it, and people always looking for things to do. So whether or not you've got a core fan base of, let's say, 10,000 season tickets, you're probably going to fill the rest of the building with people who are going to vacation that weekend because their team is playing there that weekend so they can go gamble, see a show, and go see their team on the road in Las Vegas where the weather's great. Uh, that was the most ingenious move that I've seen by a sports league in a long time. So good for the NHL and you know, does that mean it prompt UNLV, which has always had some rumblings of possibly creating Division One hockey? Does, does UNLV make the jump? Maybe they do. They had a club player transfer to AIC. Yes. And be a key component <laughs> of AIC's lineup. You know, the Bereka kid was, a, was playing club hockey at UNLV before he transferred out. So does, you, does club hockey go there? God, I hope they become a Division One program. Could you imagine? Oh, yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> I mean, this is the NCHC. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Saying, hey, listen, we love going to Grand Forks. We're taking the Vegas place. But, uh, so I think that's going to be, uh, I think that's interesting to watch, and I think it's terrific, and they've got a lot of showcase tournaments going on there. I'm actually uh, going 
going to be working the Global Showcase tournament out there uh, for a weekend this this uh, this spring, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So again, that's terrific. And you know, what's next for me? Uh, first off, is vacation. Tree and I are going to go with the kids and go play tennis for five or six days and catch our breath. And and then I, you know, I'm not sure. I, I obviously I love the broadcast component. I'm still here on the island. I told all my buddies I'm not coaching any teams, but uh, if you are willing to, to bring me in to run a practice or help out with whatever component of your team you need, defensemen, forwards, goalies, video, whatever, you know, I am, I'm available for, for hire for the for the week or whatever, so I'm, I'm happy to help out there. And I've got some hockey-related things that I, that I want to do. My, my youngest son is going to be playing away from home this year, so uh, we'll be probably traveling up to, to go watch him play. And, uh, we'll look at, and then I'll see what happens with scouting and TV is – yeah i i appreciate your time i know paul does as well and uh, tell shireen hello from us because uh the better half we got to get her on the show sometime because she's got some great stories as well <laughs> she's got the emmys yeah <laughs> <laughs> I did a, some kind of Zoom shoot with somebody for some appearance, and I'm sitting there, and her Emmys are in the background, and, and, I, and I hear somebody say something about, oh, I see you're showing off your hardware. I said, uh, the, I don't even touch these. Like, <laughs> I can't believe she would let me have them in the background. Uh, so 11, Emmy, 11 Emmy nominations and three wins for work in college hockey and some baseball stuff and features and that kind of thing. Yeah, she, she's the pro. You know, yeah. I'm the analyst. She's the pro. I'm going to tell you. You know she's big time when the uh, the North Dakota people give her her own suite. That's correct, right? She had her own suite up there? <laughs> she had her own suite. And this, this was the, okay, so the, the funniest story, just to finish the whole thing up. So I'm doing the games for Midco in the Frozen Faceoffs, uh, the playoff component. And so Alex and I are up on air. And I said to Shreya, I said, where are you going to see her in the game? She goes, I'm not sure yet. Then she texts me, I'm in suite 212. So I look out for the broadcast booth, <laughs> I see she's got her own suite right in the middle of the right in the Thanks for joining us. Thanks for spending the time today on a uh, post NCAA Frozen Four. Uh, stay in touch. You're welcome on the show anytime, Dave. Thank I you. will be happy to come back anytime you want. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, All right, that's Dave Starman, the uh, the voice of CBS Sports Net, joining us today on the uh, College Hockey Southwest Weekly Show. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back. Paul and I are gonna wrap up the show by talking a little more portal. Anybody ready for more portal? Here we go. If you live in the valley, you know that there is no shortage of great Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos served all day to combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to BurritoExpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of and if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best-tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. Every play, every hit, every goal, 
NC.TV, your home for more than 100 live games. Stream anywhere from the start of the season, leading up to the frozen face-off. If it's NCHC hockey, it's on NCHC.TV. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing we love going to the rink and sandals now you can show off your game in style with summer skates officially licensed summer skates are comfortable washable and can be designed to show off your fandom bill kessel your guy big william carlson fan or is austin matthews the man have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite nhl player or shout out your own game with your own number Team discounts and customization available, too, for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of Summer Skate, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. All right, we are back. College Hockey Southwest Weekly being taped a little early today for good reason. We had the uh, the voice of CBS Sportsnet and college hockey around the country, Dave Starman, on with us. What a great conversation that was. And, of course, I will be attending a AHL game tonight in Loveland, Colorado, the uh, Colorado Eagles and the Bakersfield Condors tonight. Paul Hornstein will be enjoying the beautiful estate that he lives in probably with his feet up, having a cold yeah. one or two, and yeah. watching some hockey on TV. But, Paul, as I always do, give us a, a little recap of our conversation with Dave. Well, first of all, it was nice to have a hockey conversation where the topic of the state of Minnesota barely came up. So, ba- barely let's came, just, let's just barely start came with that. Up? Barely? Barely. <laughs> talked about the Luth, but we talked about them in not winning, so I'm okay with that. Uh, okay. Um, you know, I was out um, today. That's okay. It's okay. It's about well, it has to happen just by fluke it once in a while, twice a year, maybe. Um, no, it's great because Dave knows everybody. He 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 really he knows everybody. He he's got clearly uh, insights on a lot of different aspects of the game from the youth level all the way up to the college and the NHL level, um, and. You know, how many people have we talked to from the pod? Did we get that story about all the equipment managers from anybody else? Uh, Not that I recall. No. So, I mean, you know, so he's, you know, he'll give you, and and he explained great the offsides or the non-offsides that people might have, were screaming about, especially if you're a St. Cloud fan. Uh, and, and, and that led to that second Massachusetts goal. So, I mean, so, so much insight, uh, good, great storytelling style, a uh, lot of, you know, information on, on just about everything to do college hockey. I mean, the, the, the only bad part about the interview is we're limited on time. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we had time, but – yeah, 38 minutes, that's uh, not bad. No, it's great. Listen, it's it's 38 minutes more than I expected when we reached out to him, not because uh, of anything other than who knows how much. You know, it is like you said, it is after the season. And he is going on vacation. So Yeah, and he and it's a well-deserved vacation when you start off sure. with the pod and then continue on. Um I I'm going to get one of those one day. What a pod? N- no, well, you a have vacation. a pod. <laughs> yeah, he's traveling with me, but I'm yeah. going to get a vacation one day because uh, uh, I think I deserve it pretty soon. It won't be until May at least, but, you know, who knows? And then what the playoffs you, what would be you, going on. Wait, let's see. NHL, well, I'm sorry. Bio-Steel game, 
Frozen Face-Off, Frozen 4, AHL Games. I'm sorry, what was that about a vacation? Yeah, I need a vacation. I'm working, my friend. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, we've got just a few minutes left, and I think it's uh, it's worthwhile to, uh, A, number one, touch on the ASU kids that officially committed, uh, as was put out by Arizona State officially yesterday. Right. Um, So uh, one, two, three, four, five players coming in. Five players. Four we Incoming freshmen. Yeah. The mm-hmm. fifth one kind of took us all back a little bit. Uh, so give us the names. Well, well, sh- uh, do you do you want the recruits first, right? Because we're gonna do, we're gonna do this the easy way or the hard way. No, we're doing the recruits first because that's that's what people maybe didn't find out about for sure until yesterday. All if right, you're just well, a casual fan. Uh, start. I got him defense- here. You want me to go? No, I can do it. That's okay. fine. Okay. Defense. You start with the defenseman and Ethan Samagi and and Ty Murchison. Uh, and then you go up front, you have uh, Jack Jensen, who originally committed to Colorado College, uh, Josh Doan, and Jackson Niedemeyer. So um, we kind of we knew that uh, four of those five kids were, were, were going to show up on campus this summer. Uh, the coach had told us, but, you know, it wasn't officially announced for whatever, for however that works. Um it's, which is fine. Well, I think, it's great. I, I think it's pretty typical, Paul, when you look back that every April about this time is when they make those official announcements and welcomes onto campus. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's too strange. But what well, is Well, listen, it's good is, for us because, first of all, we now have eight ASU players that we haven't annoyed yet to interview. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Oh, okay. All right. I'm the annoying that's not that's not unusual either. Um, and there's got to be. Uh, we've had three transfers announced they were coming to play at Asia. There's got to be one more. There has to be. There's got to be a goalie coming in. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was getting at. Um, okay. So now, listen. Is it possible? Year, is it possible that that one of the goalies that left comes back? Yeah, it can work that way, but they're well, we probably one still looking for them. Well, we know one is going. We know Evan DeBrower is going to Bentley. Yeah, so he's not okay. coming back. He's not coming back. So uh, that only leaves if, Justin Robbins. Right. Even if Justin Robbins comes back, they're going to need another goalie because you can't go into the season with just two goalies. No, you got to start looking down at the uh, at the rosters of your ACHA club then if you're going to do that. Well, listen, how many <laughs> that ain't happening that often. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, it's the, the one. Thing, it's the one position where it might, but right or could or as could it did this year. Right. Um, so we know there's at least another name coming or coming back. Um, so, uh, but you know, like Dave said, guys want to play. Yeah. Well, and here's the problem with that fact: guys want to play, but there's too many guys for the lockers and the spots on the rosters right now. And that's why college hockey needs to start expanding um, a little bit quicker, I think, because there's just too many good players right now. And that's why this portal thing intrigues me so much is the fact that there's so many good players that are moving around in hopes they get to play. But that Evan DeBrower going to Bentley, who's to say that he wins a starting job at Bentley. You don't know that. You're hoping, you're hoping, right. And you're going on the coach's word that maybe you are, but, but things change, and they change a Obviously. lot. Obviously. I mean, and look at Arizona State. I mean, who would have thought that Johnny Walker was going to be back for his fifth year and Jacob Wilson back for his fifth year? I mean, those those types of things we didn't plan on a year ago. Well, that's, that's ago. also the one thing that makes this summer different. Yes, absolutely it does. Oh, you know, uh, when you added um, – LIU and St. Thomas is coming in next year and the year after that Lindenwood. Um, so in the, you know, over a three year period, you're adding, uh, 70 extra spots. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Um, uh, you know, they're doing everything they can to bring Anchorage back. So that's another, you know, so that kind of would make up for that somewhere. Um, 
you know, who knows what the Atlantic Hockey Commissioner was talking about when he said uh, 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 up to three teams have contacted him uh, to join their league. Uh, we we have seen reports that you know Huntsville was one of them. We assume LIU was the, was a second one, without any idea who the third one was, uh, whether or not they that makes sense for them to expand that much. Uh, we assume they're going to add one team because they uh, every league obsesses over even numbers, um, like they should, like they should, whatever. Um, <laughs> Okay, so and then we got into the whole Big East thing again, which yes, which is cool. Um, Hockey East, Hockey East, Big East, Hockey East. Sorry about that. Um, That's even weirder considering how little basketball I watch. Um, (laughs) You know, I I I guess you know we all sit here and think one thing. Um, We all sit here and and. You know, think Big Ten or NCHC. Um, Dave's not wrong about the travel. We mentioned that before too. Um, many times. Uh, many times. Um, I think there's like two or three schools that uh, it would not be easy travel to out of the ten or so that are in that league. Um, but you know, Coach Powers explained that to us uh, a couple different times, or at least to me, um, right. he said, when you go there, you go there for two weeks, you come home right. and you're home for two weeks and you go you play for two the... weeks, you come home. Well, and, even that you, you can play the, the two, you, when you go there, the, those two or three schools that are really tough to travel to, you can play those one weekend and then stay there and play the next weekend and go home. Um, the other ones are much easier, obviously, because they're nonstop flights and, you don't have to play those two weeks in a row. So you could do that. You cannot do that. But um, at this point, um, I'm just going to wait and see. I, I That's really all we am. can do. Because um, I'm sh- we all know that the coach and somebody in an administration is getting asked this question every day. So um, I, I assume we'll I, find I'm out. I'm getting that question every day. <laughs> well, I'll see that. You're getting it. So, um <laughs> So it's it's listen it was it's it's it, it was it was it was a, a great forty minutes like I said I wish we could have had another forty but you know everybody's time is limited uh, our time is limited here because we can only go so long before they cut us off so um, well and people these are these I, I kind of interviews I, I love these yeah and we I covered think, a lot of stuff. Know, yeah, and I think people like interviews like that that they can listen to and get out and then maybe come back in a month and hear Dave again and maybe in another month hear Dave again because things change and uh, his opinion is very valuable, especially in hockey and uh, college hockey, but he's right. so versed in, in so many different things. I think the chance to ask him about the Long Island Gulf, the 15U AAA team that he coaches, huh? I want to hear about that. But, well, uh, listen, you know um... – but like in the, in the brief minute or two that uh, we had before the show even started, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, a mutual acquaintance. He's like, yeah, I was actually going to call him tonight or tomorrow. And I got a couple of players for him. I'm like, oh, OK, that's awesome. I, you know, uh, so he knows. <laughs> I mean, he, he he's been promoting it for a long promoting this area as a hockey area for a long time. And he's not wrong. Um, there, he, you know, there are always people that not only think that, uh, thought that Hofstra would be the first one, Stony Brook, which is a very good ACHA program. Very, very good. Yep. Very good. You know, uh, there's always talk about them, uh, which I'm also, uh, surprised when the former, the late former Islander owner, Charles Wong, was very vested in Stony Brook. Uh, you know, they, I was always kind of waiting to hear, hey, we're going to start a program here. But, you know, that is what it is. Um, he's not also is like, yeah, let's go UNLV. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's go UNLV. You heard him, right? You heard him say, let's go UNLV. Uh, well, here, get on the, the stick thing, here and let's go. 
And here's what I'm finding out more and more, Paul, as I travel the circles and talk to different people. Um, it, it's just not as easy to convince. You know, people look at Bill Foley, for example, and I know we're up against it here, but I know um, I, I'm just saying. Here, listen, I know, but but here's the thing, and this is why I think like they look at Bill Foley and they go, "Look at all the money you're making. Look at all the money you have. Why can't you just throw 35 or 40 million into an NCAA program?" Not that easy. Well, they, no, they think well. Common people think it's real easy. We we watch him buy this or do that or do this, and they go, "What's forty million to you?" Well, <laughs> here's the thing: these guys don't get to where they're at because they just threw money away, right? He he wants uh, to you make mentioned sure. Bill Foley. I didn't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. But, I don't say bad things about my landlord. <laughs> but anyway, he and I'm not saying bad things about him. I'm just saying I that he made he made his money because he was smart with it, right? So he's gonna look at every last thing. Like when he, everybody said the NHL was a no brainer in Vegas. And still he said, show me some commitment through season tickets first. Show me a building. And that's what he's going to do before he gets involved. If he gets involved with you and he's going to say, show me what you got. And then let's go forward. Listen, um, you know, you asked around when you were at the frozen face off and you got your people to tell you their thoughts, but, um, be a lot easier, right? Uh, we're going to bring in ASU and UNLV as a pair. Um, uh, would it ever, you know, um, yeah, yeah, you might see some home games in December and January at those places. You think? Yeah. Maybe. You think maybe. Yeah. And, and the facilities are already at, uh, in UNLV. That's not a problem. They have multiple choices of facilities to play at. If they chose to go that route, that's not it. It's the school. It's the money making commitment. It's, no, I get it. You know, at, you know, at least break even. Don't don't go into it to lose money hand over fist. We saw it yesterday in the uh, the professional trade deadline. A lot of teams didn't buy because the players were or the owners were tired of losing money. They lost money for a year now. Uh, they know it's going to be rough for the next year too. So they're not just going to make these commitments because they're not in in business to lose money. Okay. No, I get it. That's uh, that's my that's my soapbox. So uh, I will whatever. hop I, I don't let I don't want <laughs> I don't want to end it that way. Um, it's great talking college hockey with different people. Um, it's 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 nice that uh, people will, will 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 join us and and we can expand into different areas. Um, as 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 we expand ourselves, uh, I know we focus on uh, certain teams. But it is good to get a perspective from other places Absolutely. and other people um, Absolutely. to put our thoughts into perspective. Absolutely. And to put the listeners into a different environment where they can actually yeah. hear what other people are saying. So, All right. Take it away, my friend. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has presented College Hockey Southwest Weekly, brought to you by Verizon Wireless. The 5G and 5G Ultra Band for Business that America's been waiting for. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, ultra smooth Arizona owned. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and try our original cocktail recipes. Buy summer skates. Play on the ice is starting to heat up just like the weather. So that means it's even more important to keep those drinks cold. Get your personalized koozies and shower shoes. Go to IcetimeHockeySW.com slash partners. Click on the Summer Skates banner to get yours. Behind the mask and its three valley locations, in line or on ice, we are the go-to place for all of your hockey needs. See us at BehindTheMask.com. By OxyPow. Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at OxyPow.com. By Burrito Express. Our homemade recipes to your table. Great taste, great value. M-Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You, M-Drive in the morning, relax at night, our two-step system for energy, stamina, and recovery. By College Bar and Grill in Tempe. By ASU fans, for ASU fans. And by the NCHC. Every game, whether it's in a pod, on the road, or at home, nchc.tv has you covered. Go to nchc.tv and subscribe. It's never too early to get started on next season. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila's College Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app. Available for download at the iTunes Store, 
Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. College Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, my friend. As always, uh, thanks for uh, going on early today. It was well worth it to get that great conversation with Dave Simon. And we thank him for taking time out of his busy schedule because I know the season's over, but that means there's some personal time. And he talked about his kids and Shireen and spending time and doing some family things. So taking the time out to spend 38, 40 minutes with us was uh, fantastic. So we will say – Good night. On that note, I will also tell you that we'll have uh, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly tomorrow. Uh, I'll be a little early again because of uh, my commitment with the AHL game here in Loveland, Colorado. And then it's on to St. Louis for full games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night championship game, and we will have a new AHL champion, I predict. ACHA. I'm sorry, ACHA champion. I don't predict that. It's going to be the Minot State Beavers. Wade Regeer, that's my shout-out to you, buddy. That's all right. All right. Uh, there's a certain coach that better be ready because you're coming after him, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, not you, John Hogan. No, 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 not you, John. Well, it could be you, John, but yeah, uh, you're, you're in the John same too. neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Okay, guys, uh, we'll say good night and uh, another big thank you to Dave Starman for joining us and uh, Paul Hornstein for jumping in early today. It's never easy to jump in and jump around the schedule, but we did it and we pulled it off and uh, we will say good night with Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, De Niro. Goodbye, everybody. everybody.